0: As Deacon Josh shared with you, I am Father Gavin Pate, and I'm planting Trinity Church in Arlington, and I have the privilege of being with you this morning to share God's Word with you and to help lead in the service. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name that you have blessed us with being together as a church this morning. We thank you that... Even though we're all from different places, we can come together as the gathered people of God. I pray that you would be with me this morning as I bring this message to your people. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, it would be a blessing to them and a service to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, my question for you as we begin is, why are you here this morning? Why are you even here in church? Why are you not having brunch somewhere? Why are you not doing something else? I've been ordained since 2013, and I've worked at a number of churches, and I've seen that people have a lot of different reasons why they end up going to church. Some people like going to pretty buildings. Some people go because their friends are there. Some people go because they think that they want to be a better person. Some people feel guilty about something they've done or something they have not done, and so they show up at church the next Sunday. Some people want to be motivated or inspired for the coming week. It is extremely easy for us to lose our focus and the reason that we came to church in the first place. But Jesus, in Matthew 21, is this man of singular focus. He is bringing the good news to the people of God even though they have become incredibly distracted about why they were sent to the world in the first place. So we've seen a lot in Matthew's gospel so far. We've seen the genealogy of Jesus. We've seen the introduction of the ministry of John the Baptist. We've heard the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has given his disciples the Lord's Prayer. Jesus has reminded people of the reality of God's coming judgment on sin. We've seen Jesus be very tender toward the little children. We've even seen Holy Week, as we keep it, begin at the beginning of this chapter with the events of Palm Sunday. So now in our passage, just to situate it in the context of Matthew's gospel, Jesus has publicly entered Jerusalem, and there are beginning to be some very open-pointed questions about his authority from the authorities. So in verse 23... Prior to our morning's readings, we see that the people questioning Jesus are the chief priests and elders, and they might have looked a lot like myself and Deacon Josh. They might have had special clergy clothing and stood out as different and special from the people, and these were people who had a lot of power among the other Jewish people. They were threatened by the generosity and the challenge that Jesus represented, And so they repeatedly try to shut Jesus down. But this is one more example of where Jesus sees their challenge, he understands what they're up to, and he outfoxes them. Jesus knows how to deal with these chief priests and elders. So in our passage this morning, I want to look at really two things. Number one is that the gospel is for people like us. It's for people just like you and me who are here this morning. But it's not just for people like us. It's for everyone. It's for people who aren't here this morning. It's for people who are outside doing those other things throughout our cities this morning. The gospel is actually for us and it's for everyone. So as you reflect on your life today and thinking about how the sermon might intersect with that, I ask you to think about this. What kind of person are you? How would you describe yourself? How would other people who know you well describe you? Recently, we had a a family friend who was able to have a gift from her friends that they would send nice comments about her for her birthday to this Instagram star. And then he, after they paid him about $50, he would take a minute and a half and he would read these nice comments and say nice things about her. So it's kind of like a nice little video gift that they gave to her. And, of course, all the comments they made about her were very kind, very nice, very great things they had to say about her. And hopefully she believes all those things are true about herself. But even more important about what we think about ourselves or what our friends would say about us is, what does God say about us? How does he see us? When he looks at you, what does he see? So churches have tried to deal with this question for millennia. Some churches have historically answered the question about what kind of person does God think you are by saying that you are a worm, you are a hellbound sinner, and that is the end of the story. There's nothing more to it. That's it. But it can be very difficult for people to experience conversion in such an environment because would you want to come to a God who believed that you were unlovable? Most of us wouldn't. Other churches go to the other extreme and say, you are perfect just the way you are. You are a ray of sunshine, a ray of sunshine. Don't change a freckle on your face. We love you. But would you want to come to a God who couldn't actually tell you the truth? That you weren't okay the way you are. That sin is present in your life and you're expected to change. We know after two thousand years what God believes about us. We know that we were made in God's image that we were loved by God, that we are loved by God, and that we were designed in the very beginning to live like him and his son. But we also know that sin has made this impossible. We have all participated in this. Sin entered the world through Adam, and it spread like a virus. Not only are we passively affected by sin, but we participate in it ourselves, and it changes our lives for the worse. But the good news is this, that if we see the sin problem the same way that God does, and we acknowledge that and we accept his plan, we can be cured, we can be saved forever. And that's the gospel. So we have a choice when we're faced with this gospel of Jesus Christ. We can accept it, we can repent and believe, or we can deny it. And we can insist on our own plan instead. And we have both responses in our passage from Matthew's gospel today. So if we want to be like those people who get to cut in line into the kingdom, we want to be like those people who are welcomed into the kingdom of God, then we need to know who are these prostitutes and tax collectors that Jesus is referencing. Jesus says this in verse 31, follow along if you have it in front of you. Which of the two did the will of the Father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, this is a promise from Jesus, go into the kingdom of God before you. They are cutting a line before people that look a lot like me. Who are these people? Well, one commentary describes them this way. Tax collectors and prostitutes were considered to be at the bottom of the socio-religious scale and outside God's covenant. The bottom of the socio-religious scale, and outside God's covenant. These were the lowest of the low, yet God was at work in them. These were people who were outside the covenant of God, but they wanted in. These were people who cheated in their daily life, and they regretted it. These were people who thought so little of themselves that they allowed others to do that to them too. These are people who are desperate for a way to be saved, not from others, but from themselves. Ultimately, friends, these are people just like you and me. These are people just like us. Don't you want to be accepted by God? In Christ, we are accepted. Don't you live below God's expectations? In Christ, all your sins are forgiven. Don't you often forget your royal identity, that you're really a son or daughter of the living God? In Christ, it is never forgotten. Don't you want to be rescued from your old self instead of having him pop up over and over again? In Christ, that's accomplished. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Another promise from God. This is a gospel that's for people just like you and me. People who are at the end of our rope and realize that there's no way we are going to inherit the kingdom if it's not for Jesus Christ. But this gospel is not given to us just to come here this morning and hear these good words and then to go home and forget about it and just kind of keep it to ourselves. This is a gospel that has been designed to go throughout the entire world, from coast to coast, nation to nation, person to person, regardless of status. Now, I'm sure some of you guys here have been to Costco before. It's a great store. They have a lot of choices, a lot of big choices. When you buy something, it's a huge commitment. You can save a lot of money if you shop at Costco and you're smart about it. And so we go to Costco quite a bit by our house. It helps us with a family, kind of save a little bit of money. They have good quality things. But if you go to Costco and you pull that cart off the rack and you start walking through that giant door, not just anybody can get inside Costco. You have to go inside your wallet and pull out that card, and you have to show them your membership card, or you are not allowed to go into Costco. Costco is not for everybody. There's a barrier. And just the same as that kind of membership card that we have to show at a place like Costco, the Jewish religious leaders had membership cards. They had ways that they excluded people from being in the people of God. Only special people could gain access to the kingdom of God. These were special people who kept the Sabbath. Or the males were properly circumcised. Or they avoided the unclean foods. Or they avoided even the unclean people who could stain them and make them not fit for the kingdom. They believed that the gospel, the good news, was only for these types of people who had this kind of access. But Jesus, who is the exact representation of the Father, is saying, no, the gospel is for everyone. It's not just for you. I didn't give it just to you as a deposit to bury and keep to yourself. Instead, I gave you this gospel to share with the world. The gospel today is meant to go to the squeaky clean person in your life who can finally admit that they're actually not so perfect. The gospel is meant to go to people from other nations. The gospel is meant to go to the woman who is doing just fine without the crutch of religion until tragedy strikes her life and she's not as strong as she thinks that she is. The gospel is for drug users, for addicts, for parents who neglect their children and skip town on them. The gospel is for thieves. The gospel is for the most rotten people among us who are willing to repent and believe the good news. The gospel is even for confirmed Anglicans like us who seem to have it all together on the outside. The gospel is for everyone who believes God and follows his prescription for salvation. In verse 32, Jesus says this. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Sometimes it can be very difficult to encounter something that's different than what we expect and change our mind, to adjust to the new information that we have in front of us. I have been, as I said, ordained as an Anglican since 2013, and I love serving this way. But in 2019 in Arlington, I actually served at a Baptist church. I was the associate pastor there. So a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine from seminary, he and I got together and I did a little consulting work for him after coming back from a job in Florida And it was a really good fit. We had great chemistry, it was working very well. And he said, You know, I didn't think I'd say this, but I actually think the Lord wants me to bring you on as my associate pastor. So, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to work as an Anglican priest at a Baptist church and teach us what you know about Christianity? And I said, Yes. So, for a couple of years we worked really well together, and it was a great fit. We really enjoyed being together. He was In kind of the finishing stages of planting that church in downtown Arlington. And we really had a great chemistry where we brought the best of Anglican worship to the evangelical spirit of the Baptist church. But none of that would have been possible, and I wouldn't have learned all the things that I did if he had not been willing to listen to the unexpected call of God. God was speaking in a way that most of you have probably never heard of. But he was willing to listen. He was attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's commendable that he was able to follow God's unlikely turn of direction. This is what Jesus is talking about here. Are you listening to God? God saying, I'm going here? Do you have your plan that you impose on God? Consider this morning, are you open to God's call to faith in unexpected ways? Is that something you're willing to hear and change direction on? I don't know how many of you keep the Anglican calendar. We have a nice blue calendar that you can track all the different saints and special feast days on. If that's something you're interested in, I commend it to you. It's a great thing. I look at that on a daily basis and kind of see what's going on. And even though I'm an Anglican priest, there are many people on there that I don't know who they are. So sometimes I look them up. And on September 20th last month, we had a gentleman named Bishop John Coleridge Patterson who was honored on our calendar. And I had no idea who he was. So I looked Bishop Patterson up. He was British, and he was commissioned as a missionary bishop to the South Sea Islands in the 1860s. And these are a collection of almost a 1,000 scattered islands in the South Pacific Ocean. We would call it Polynesia today. And so they asked him, would you be willing to be a missionary to these people who have never heard the gospel in the South Pacific Ocean. And that certainly wouldn't have been on his agenda of career plan. But he accepted the assignment, and he went. And when he arrived with his assistants and other people that were there to help him, they were fired at with poison arrows. And some of them even died at that time. These people had been harassed and taken advantage of by what were called Blackbirders, Westerners who would come over and kidnap them or take them into slavery Or trick them in some way to working for them. And many of these people would obviously never return to their home islands. So they were very suspicious of these Westerners coming to their spot. But Bishop Patterson listened to God and he changed direction. And he ended up learning 23 of the island's 1,000 different languages in order to share the gospel. And he reached so many people with his efforts. He actually worked against the slave trade, fighting the Blackbirders, believing that what they were doing was dead wrong. And tragically, he even gave his life in a misunderstanding where they thought that he was working with the Blackbirders and he was killed by some natives. But Bishop John Colbridge Patterson paid the ultimate price leaving his home nation and going to this other place to bring the gospel to these people who may not have heard it otherwise because he was willing to listen to God working in unexpected ways to reach unexpected people. It would have been easy to say, the gospel's already here. I'm going to labor in a church in England. But he didn't. He listened to the call of God because he believed, as a Christian, that was his duty. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, as we are reading the story, we hear Jesus say this. They can't figure out the Pharisees Why your teacher is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Those people are below us. They are outside the covenant. Why is he with them? He's going to make himself unfit for the kingdom. And Jesus answers this in Matthew 9. But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." Jesus came to seek the people outside the covenant. Yes, the good news for us too, but also those who didn't hear the gospel yet, who may not have heard the gospel yet from any of us. For each of you, I'm guessing there's probably a time when you first grasped the good news of Jesus Christ. You may have been a Christian your whole life. You may have been baptized in the church as a child, and you may not remember any time of not fearing God and loving Jesus, but there's a time in which the story of Jesus paid it all was actually your story. You apprehended that for yourself and you owned it. It didn't become something for somebody else, but it became your story. You gave up on your own good deeds and you trusted in the righteousness of Christ alone instead. And church, isn't it time for us to share that gospel with our friends, family, and neighbors? the people that we meet on a daily basis. Aren't you tired of hearing people saying that you don't want to go to church because it's for people who think they are better than everyone else? Aren't you tired of hearing that excuse over and over again? Let's do our part to make that not true. Let's live like the only hero in the story is Jesus himself. Let's be generous other people. Let's have fun with the gospel, sharing it in every little space that the Holy Spirit opens up to us. If we do this, one day we're going to look back and we're going to laugh at how ridiculous it was that we ever thought we could reach heaven by our own good works. We're going to realize how silly that idea actually is. And we're going to celebrate how perfect and how good and how merciful and how forgiving Jesus Christ actually is, to bring us into communion with him, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And we have the opportunity now as Anglicans, as word and sacrament Christians, to relish this communion meal. And as we get closer to this time of Holy Communion, I want to encourage you to think of this bread and this wine as a pledge of God's unyielding love for us in Jesus Christ and how there is nothing for us to do but to receive it in faith. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.